listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-384-1340. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-384-1340. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Happy Friday, everyone. Thanks for dropping by. Shane Dennis Show, episode 653. Shane and Jack with you here on a Friday. Hopefully your Friday's off to a good start. If you have to go to work, if you want to knock off early or anything in between, thanks for dropping by the sports leader. I'll be here entertaining and informing for the next two hours, me and Jack. Here's how you can be a part of the jo- uh, part of the show if you want to be, if you want to call us, 316-669-4996. If you want to text us, we've had a texter already before we went on the air talking about Patrick Mahomes. You want to chime in on something, anything, 316-247-0923. If you got a smart speaker, tell it to play KKGQ 92.3. Stream the show on any device that you have at ESPNWichita.com. That's where you go. Click on Listen Live. Laptop, device, computer, phone. And that's also where we keep all the podcasts of all the shows, all the live local shows, rdspnwichita.com. So if you want to listen to Fat Jack and Pat on the Pulse, they're there. If you want to listen to Jordan Foote and me here, they're there, ESPNWichita.com. Or if you just want to re-listen to something, a funny bit, I'm old Jack Young, ESPNWichita.com. 92.3 FM in your car, tune in, Spotify, etc. Twitter, at ESPNWichita. Be our friends on Facebook. And one reason why you need to be our friends on Facebook is if you like the opportunity to win free stuff, for example, an autographed jersey by Chief Safety Brian Cook. That is up and live right now. Be our friends at ESPN Wichita 92.3. And all you have to do to enter to win this bad boy is follow us, like the post. It's right at the top. You can see Brian Cook's number six jersey. It says enter to win. So click on that. After you follow us, if you haven't already, like the post. And then to get a bonus entry, like a two-for-one, tag your game day buddy in the comments below it. So like the post after you follow us and tag one of your buddies to get your uh, opportunity to win a Brian Cook autographed jersey, which we will announce the winner coming up this weekend. So don't delay Go there, like us, and do what you're told. And you'll have a chance to win that. Also, you'll have a chance to win, as I'm sure you know by now, the Bud Light Chiefs neon sign. If you want to make your football cave stand out, listen to this show, listen to Pulse with Pat, for your chance to be entered to win that neon sign. Pay close attention, and when you hear the Travis Kelsey sounder during a segment... Be the third caller to be registered to win. It's brought to you by Bud Light. Easy to Sunday, easy to enjoy. Bud Light's the official beer sponsor of the Chiefs. Must be 21 years or older. So you have an opportunity to win that and the Brian Cook jersey. Although not in the same way. The Brian Cook jersey is over on Facebook. you got to be listening to have an opportunity to win the Chiefs Bud Light neon sign. It is January 26th. We're headed for a high of 47 degrees 
Today in Wichita here on Friday, last Friday of January, as we get set to turn the page to February here shortly. All right, we'll lay out the uh, the show for you here in a second. But first, our very own Jack Johnson with a moment of levity. Jack, joke or riddle? I got this friend named Chris. Mm-hmm. He, like, thinks we're way better friends than we actually are, you know? He likes to share too much with me. The other day, he's like, Anthony, you know what I like to do when I'm all by myself? And before I can say, we're not really friends, he goes, I like to take peanut butter and smear it all over myself and then let my dog lick it off. Exactly, that's disgusting. I said, dude, you need to get yourself a girlfriend. I'll trade you mine for that dog. (laughs) Jack, is that a young Anthony Jeselnik? That is a young Anthony yeah, Jeselnik. Yeah, I can, can kind of tell. Yeah. God, he's the greatest in the worst way. All right, good job, Jack. Uh, always on a Friday. If you can't guarantee to make me laugh, AJ, that'll do. January 26th, National Spouses Day. Pat. National Green Juice Day. National Fun at Work Day. Hey, Jack, this gives us a license to uh, be jackasses. Hell yeah. Yeah. Not like any other day of the week. National Fun at Work Day. National Peanut Brittle Day. Not peanut butter, but close. Peanut brittle. Wasn't yesterday Peanut Butter Day? Now that I think about uh, it, do you remember that? Yes, it was. You God, asked me if I like creamy or crunchy. I know. I missed so the- timely. Dang, you missed your chance. <laughs> that would have been great. Although, beforehand, when you tell your joke, you don't know what day it is. So if we would have reversed that, you'd have been able to save yourself. Um, 1784, January 26, in a letter dated today, 1784, Ben Franklin writes to his daughter expressing his dismay that the eagle is chosen as the American symbol. If it were up to him... Blank would have been a more appropriate bird. You heard this one, Jack? This is for real. Who did Benjamin Franklin, or what did Benjamin Franklin think a more appropriate bird would be for the American symbol instead of the eagle? Well, the only other ferocious bird I can think of is like a falcon, so I'll go Mm -hmm. with that. Nope. This would be probably your tenth guess of (laughs) a a bird. You're getting closer. Oh, no. The turkey. Oh. Ben Franklin wanted the turkey. Yeah. Why? In a letter dated today, 1784, wrote to his daughter lamenting the fact that the eagle was chosen and not the turkey. Not his finest hour, I guess. Uh, birthdays. Douglas MacArthur, 1880. Good job, Texter. You knew it was the turkey. It's important at Thanksgiving, so there's that. Eh, Yeah, about the only day of the year that it is, in my opinion. Paul Newman, 1925. Ellen DeGeneres, 1958. And a star-studded cast of musicians or records. Celebrating a birthday or anniversary today, which we will get to during the bumper music. So there you go. There's... January 26th. Got a big show for you today. One last chance to get you ready for the AFC and NFC title games. That'll come your way at 1 o'clock. We'll talk some AFC championship. We'll talk NFC championship. Our road to the Super Bowl, as we call it. It's presented by Davis Liquor Outlet. Neighborhood locations at Superstore Prices. Find a location, davisliquoroutlet.com. Before that, though, we have a story of the week, like we do every Friday. Thank you to Farha Roofing. And I guarantee you, Jack has thoughts and an input on my story of the week without spoiling it. I know he's got thoughts. So that comes your way 20 minutes, eh, a little less than 20 minutes from now. We got the Twitter question. It also has to do with the games this weekend so at ESPN Wichita is where you can go please vote and repost got plenty of time to do that we've got 
some overdue, long overdue Royals talk between me and Jack about an hour from now. Uh, I want to at least, uh, Jack, broach the subject of the Royals signing a closer, be it trade or free agent. Got a few names to throw around. And a Royals topic of your choosing, Jack. So whether it's position player, third base, I know it's been a hot topic kind of lately in the rumor mill, in addition to the Royals signing one more reliever, which happens to be a potential closer. So we'll kick around those ideas coming up at 125. Then we'll get you ready for I'm Old Jack's Young, Friday edition, brought to you by Rock and Brews Casino Brayman. And also the Twitter question is brought to you by Wichita Furniture and Mattress. So big day on Friday, like always, as we get you set for the weekend. Of course, Pat will be here coming up at the end of the show. We'll have a little crosstalk, see what he's up to, and get you ready for the pulse from 2 to 4. So text us, 316-247-0923. Any old time you feel like it, text us, whether it's something we're talking about or not, check it out, the text line. We love interacting with the old texters, 247-0923. We already have with Ben Franklin's uh, ill-fated letter to his daughter back in the 1700s. So keep the conversation going here on Friday. Let's have a little fun, shall we? Before we get to the story of the week, uh, I had the opportunity in my other life to see uh, UAB and Wichita State in women's basketball last night. And Jack, I know the answer to this question already, but I'll ask it anyway. You're familiar with Delino DeShields, correct? I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, tell me what you know about Delino DeShields. Well, I'm far more familiar with his son, Delano okay. Shields Jr., who played okay. with the Rangers for a number of years, played with yeah. Cleveland, great defensive center fielder. But uh, every time uh, the Royals would have played him, uh, there was mention of his dad, who uh, I think had a little bit more of a popular career at the big level. A little level bit. Than, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. He had like a 12- or 13-year career, so that set the bar pretty high for Delano Jr. But I had the opportunity last night to see – one of Delino's daughters, she was on the UAB basketball team. She's point guard. Uh, her name is Denim, like the Jean. Denim DeShields. She is about five foot nothing, maybe five two, maybe five three. Um, but she, uh, as kind of a sidebar, hit the game winning shot in overtime for UAB to beat Wichita State in a thriller. And I mean a thriller. And don't often shout out um, losing teams that often. But, you know, we follow Wichita State. And people around here love the Shockers. And Terry Nooner is in his first year as the women's basketball coach. They're in a tough stretch right now, having a hard time winning games. But they played an instant classic last night and lost in OT 83-81. Um, we'll get back to Denim DeShields in a second. But... Wichita State, yeah, great game, sad outcome. You're right, Texter. It was exactly that. It was 72-63 to UAB with 2.15 left to go in the game. And Wichita State rattled off nine in a row to tie it, including Solis Blow's 14-foot little half-hook, little half-push shot with 1.1 seconds left to send the game to OT. And then Ornella Niankin, who barely shoots, let alone barely shoots threes, hit her second of two three-pointers on the night, inside 10 seconds left, to tie the game at 81. And then Denim DeShields went one-on-one, finished near the rim, banked it in with, I want to say, gosh, stand by. It was late, late. Uh, one, one point one, something like that. Um, and then Wichita State called the timeout, advanced it into four court, and couldn't get anybody open. That's how the game ended. But just a, an unbelievable game. And if you missed it, I get it. Wichita State's not exactly in a good way right now. 
when it comes to the American. They're, they're, I think, two and six now in the league. UAB, brand new member of the league, is only once beaten, and they were picked to finish 13th. And there they are toward or at the top of the heap. But anyway, the the lineage, the family of Delino DeShields, get this, Jack. You got the old man. You got Delino Sr., multi, you know, dozen years in the big leagues. His son, Delino Jr., was, I think, the eighth overall pick in his particular draft, played for five different teams. The mom, Delino Sr.'s wife, was an All-American decathlete at Tennessee. Then you got Delino Jr., of course, professional baseball player that Jack's familiar with. And you got Denim DeShields, who's at UAB right now, 23 points last night. And her sister, Diamond, is in the WNBA. You think they have anything to talk about during uh, Thanksgiving dinner when they all get together? Bragging rights, I would say. My Who's the God. best athlete? That is very similar to the Corda family. We've talked about the Cordas, right? Peter Corda is a tennis yes. player, and he, two of his daughters are on the LPGA Tour, and his son is a professional tennis player. I just can't wrap my head around the – the athleticism and the, the accomplishments of one family. There was also, and my memory is failing me, you remember uh, that former Chiefs tight end, um, Hayes, Jonathan Hayes? Yes. Remember him? His son, Jackson, right? He went to Texas. It was a first-rounder, correct? Correct. I think the, I think the daughter played at uh, Cincinnati. Can't remember her name, but just unbelievable. And the, the backstory with the DeShields family and the fact that Denim scored 23 points last night. Kind of geeking out here, honestly, and I'll be on, you know, I apologize for it, but it's Friday and I felt like I needed to spit this out if you didn't see the game last night. Watch the end of it. If you get some spare time uh, today, watch watch the last two minutes if you're a Shocker fan. Watch the last two minutes on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, go, go online, watch the last two minutes in overtime. It is high theater and Wichita State played about as well as you could without winning the game. 83-81 was a thriller, but we saw a glimpse of greatness in the family of the DeShields and Denham hitting the game winner. Uh, speaking of basketball, you've got Wichita State men taking on SMU on Sunday. And unfortunately for them, as I'm sure you know, exactly the same time that the Chiefs play the Ravens. But anyway, SMU comes in 13 and six overall, four and two. Shockers, as you know, the eight game losing streak that they are desperately trying to snap. But SMU is no joke this year. They're four and two in the league. And they most recently fell to North Texas. Boy, can North Texas play anything but a close game? North Texas won 68-66. And Shockers also lost by two, coming off their eighth straight loss against ECU on Wednesday, 54-52. to This eight-gamer is the longest since Mark Turgeon's first season when Turge's bunch dropped 11 in a row. And it's the first time Wichita State's 0-6 to begin conference play since 2008-2009. So we'll see if Wichita State can elevate their level of play, for lack of a better phrase, because the opponent, at least on paper, compared to the ECU game is going to be better. Uh, SMU is upper half of the league and jockeying for position in a kind of a, kind of a wide open league. Uh, Texter asked, Jeff, Jeff asked, wasn't Delino the shortstop that replaced Ozzie Smith in St. Louis after he retired? I don't think so. Jack, check that out during the break. We'll, we'll break away here. See who succeeded Ozzie Smith at shortstop in St. Louis after he retired. Jeff will have the answer for you after this as we get ready for our story of the week. That's coming up next, courtesy of Farha Roofing. Then we'll have the Twitter question, has to do with the AFC title game. Some more football talk at 1 o'clock, some Royals talk at 125. 
and your texts. Keep the texts coming. 316-247-0923. Tell us where you're texting from. Tell us how you listen. Tell us where you're listening from. And any old thing that you want to tell us. Speaking of, Jack, you got something to tell us? So Delano the Shields took over at second base for the Cardinals the year after Ozzy retired. It was Royce Clayton, though. That Royce was Clayton. There you go. There you go. There's the answer to your trivia question there, Jeff, and maybe a bar bet if you're into such things. All right, when we come back, a harrowing and weird and wacky, not the good way, story of the week. That's coming your way next. It's 1219. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Hi, this is Blake Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. And this is Brian Davis with another great special on Seagram's Gin 1.75 liters, only $20.99. And pick up a Blue Moon 12-pack for just $15.99. Davis Liquor Outlet. Each store independently owned and operated. Neighborhood locations with superstore pricing. Go from zero to 500000 in one ticket. Introducing the Premier Play Instant Ticket from the Kansas Lottery. You could win one of four top prizes of $500,000 instantly, plus a second chance at another half million through the Play On app. It's Kansas Lottery's largest instant prize ever. Let the dreaming begin. Visit kslottery.com for details. Beware of the fog. You're a swish from the right wing. The Kansas Jayhawks hit the hardwood every game right here. Wow! What ball movement! There's nothing like Kansas basketball. A big time thundering slam! Be a part of the journey all season long on your home for Kansas Jayhawk basketball. Saturday, the Jayhawks travel to Ames, Iowa to take on Iowa State. Coverage begins at 12.30 on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take like 10 or 15 minutes, and in three weeks, presto, you're starting to speak another language, like magic. I love that Babbel's lessons aren't just robots talking. They're voiced by native speakers, so you get the pronunciation just right. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. 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 Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Paid for by Bar Justice. Attention. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months? The FDA has warned that Zantac and other medications containing heartburn drug, ranitidine, may be contaminated with cancer-causing agent NDMA. Zantac may be linked to these cancers, bladder, colorectal, esophageal, intestinal, kidney, liver, ovarian, pancreatic, stomach, testicular, and uterine. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months, call now. 800-516-9931. Never stop taking medication without first consulting a physician. Call right now for a free consultation. You may be owed significant compensation. Call 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. That's 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. Can I admit something else on the show, Jack? Go ahead. I kind of like Wham. How can you not? Andrew Ridgely. Born 61 years ago today, other half of Wham, along with George Michael. Happy birthday, Michael, or Andrew Ridgely, 61. Time for our story of the week. It's brought to you by Farhall Roofing. Whether it's a repair, service, or replacement, Farhall Roofing is a team for you. Call them or visit them online, farhallroofing.com. Farhall Roofing, we rise above the rest. One of the craziest and saddest 
of our stories of the week over the last months or so. And it's centered around a watch party of the Chiefs Chargers regular season finale won by the Chiefs, but that is not what's important here at all. High school friends, and I'm going to throw some names out here for you just to identify them, but it's hard not to get kind of caught in the weeds because there's a lot of of people in play here in our story of the week. Clayton McGinney, David Harrington, and Ricky Johnson, they went to the rental home of their friend, Jordan Willis, to watch the Chiefs-Chargers game on January 7th. Uh, The first three that I mentioned that visited their friend at his rental home were found dead in the backyard. Uh, Willis, Jordan Willis, the guy with the with the rental home, the guy's place that everybody went to, said uh, he invited them to watch the Chiefs take on the L.A. Chargers. And the three aforementioned guys in their late 30s were found dead outside the Kansas City, Missouri place of residence January 9th, two days after they went to watch Chiefs game. Now, friends and family are demanding answers following weeks of what they say are inconsistent details from the man's friend and attorney surrounding the timeline and the cause of death. And kind of late breaking news, news of a fifth man who attended this gathering that night has basically further muddied up the, uh, the details. And it's incredible considering this occurred, what, what's today? That's three weeks, basically. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But two days after the game, one of the fiancés of one of the guys visited the house to check on him, um, Clayton McGinney's fiancé, after not hearing from him. Uh, Jack... Before we continue, you have a significant other. I do. Uh, as far yes. as, as far as I'm concerned, she's not your fiance yet, right? Not yet. No. Would you go or she go two years, uh, two days without contacting or hearing from you or the other way around? No, unless it was a trip where I was going to be gone for a few days. Like if it was just a watch party for a game and I hadn't said anything for multiple hours, I think she would have gone over to the house that night or, oh, of course. or later that afternoon. Thank you for that. There's the first uh, weird inconsistency, uh, in my opinion, of uh, 30,000-foot view, two days after the game. This guy's fiance visited the house, check on him after not hearing from him, said she found a body in the back porch. And she called the police. And when the officers arrived, they discovered two more dead bodies in the backyard, bodies of David Harrington and Ricky Johnson two of the other three friends of the guy that lived at the place. His last name is Willis, and his attorney uh, on January 20th told, um, let's see here, let me get this right, told a local news outlet that after the game ended, three men left the house and he, Willis, went to bed. That was the last time Willis saw them, according to his attorney. But then on the 22nd, an unidentified fifth man, whose presence wasn't known in the earlier accounts of the case, said he was also watching the game at Willis's house that night. His attorney said his client arrived at the house at 7 p.m. and left at midnight. Jack, back on January the 7th, when the Chiefs played the Chargers, what time was that kickoff? I know you know. It was in L.A. Yeah, it was uh, 3 o'clock, something like 3.25. He said he arrived at the house at 7 Mm. to watch the game. So file that away, too. Said he left at midnight. He told local Fox 4 affiliate that the four guys, the other four guys, were awake and watching Jeopardy when he left. He said he left at midnight. 
So there's that inconsistency because the guy that owned the house said that he went to bed. Uh, Willis's attorney confirmed to the news outlet that there was a fifth man at his client's house that day. He said that his client, Willis, the guy that owns the house or rents the house, got tired and went to sleep while there were these guys in the home. And as I know now, there are a couple other people in the home. End of quote. That was from the guy that owned the house. Then on the 24th, the guy that owned the house attorney clarified the timeline that the fifth man left the house first. The guy that owned the house then said goodbye to the three guys that died before he fell asleep on the couch. But an attorney for one of the dead guy's family has called out some inconsistencies in the story that I just now, after reading three paragraphs, have uncovered two. Um, so, you know, during the days leading up to the discovery of the bodies, the guy's attorney said the guy worked from home, sleeping most of the time before police arrived. And then multiple outlets have reported that after concerned friends and family had not heard from the men after the football game, they and the fifth man tried to contact the guy that owned the house, Willis, who had the watch party, and he didn't respond. According to a local Fox affiliate, the attorney also acknowledged that two people came to the house, but Willis had been sleeping with earbuds in near a fan and didn't hear him. But the guy that owned the house, rented the house, whatever, you get it, answered the door for police when they arrived, wearing just his underwear while holding an empty glass of wine. All right, Jack, before I go on, and I don't even know if I need to go on, um, have you heard about this story? You had to if you're in Kansas City. But the Kansas City Police Department said they are probing this case as a, quote, death investigation, unquote, and that, wait for it, no foul play was observed or suspected. What in the hell's going on up there in Kansas City, Jack? Yeah, this is a a very very weird situation, and I don't think that you know the guys whose house it was has a legitimate story at all. Like the fact that the bodies were there for two days, and you didn't notice it at all. Like I know we just had a cold front, and I'll be honest, at my house, like I didn't go outside that many times. I still open the window, like open the the blinds to the window, so I can see into my backyard and front yard. I'd imagine I'd be able to see a body out there. Or if or people were at my house one day and then, yeah, two days later, hadn't heard a single thing about them, like they're not responding to any text, they'd be like, that's kind of weird. Like there's no way you go two days without noticing something like this. And then you brought it up, right, with the fiancé. Two days later, like this isn't a a, uh, it's a, not a boy's from- trip. It's not a boy's trip to Vegas. No. And, Just went over to a buddy's house. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, a girlfriend, like if you're recently dating, like you don't want to be pushy, and if somebody's not responding for multiple hours, like, oh, I'm not going not gonna to be, you know, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions there. But two days, like I think one day is like, okay, something is something is wrong here. There's, the next day is Monday. Yeah, it's work. So, you know, There's yeah, work. And, work and again, this is a fiancé we're talking about. I would say that for the large majority of people in relationships like that, like you have tabs on your significant other if it's a fiance, right? So why was it two days later you go over to this house? Like, I'm sure that the day before that, like, imagine going through the entire day, texting, calling, being like, hey, are you coming? I don't know if they live together. If it's like, oh, are you you back? Did you go to work or something? Like, that to me is fishy. Um, But the way that there's three, this is not... Like an accidental death where one guy slips and falls on ice when everybody's inside and you forget him overnight. There's three. There's yep. three bodies out there. And also, I go, okay, so it's a, a late game. It's also, like, I, not that it changes that much of the narrative, but this was a meaningless Chiefs game. It, it, to me, unless you just have a different personality, like, 
I don't. That's a good point. I didn't point. imagine yeah. getting like obliterated with alcohol, like for a game. It was Blaine Gabbert's game, so it's like, yeah, it, it seemed like a very casual, laid back afternoon. He said he arrived at seven, so he missed the game. Yep, that makes no sense. Didn't watch the game at all, actually. And it's not like I, to my knowledge, it wasn't a huge party, right? So if it's just I don't know, five, depending on your five view people, of how big a party is? I, a family member told Fox Four. That the guy that rented the house claimed that his friends froze to death. Yes. Also, when you look back, and I kind of did, um, and I'm not out in the backyard overnight, but that night in Kansas City wasn't all that cold. We're not talking about the Dolphins game night. We're talking about freezing temperatures, as in right around freezing, 32 degrees. Um, and then the family said that the guy's account of the night doesn't add up including his claim that he slept for most of the two days and didn't know that there were dead bodies in his yard. Um, you have one family member that admitted that one of the guys that died uh, may have used drugs before, but he didn't believe the three men did drugs and overdosed. Um, and then this guy's dad said, quote, I'm not going to say that during a game he didn't have some drinks, but he wasn't irresponsible that he was going to go outside and freeze to death, unquote. So there's that. And one of the texters asked about um, did they freeze to death and did, would uh, the toxicology would reveal all. I'm no coroner, trust me. But if they were deemed to have died from exposure slash frozen to death, they could have whatever in their system, you you fill in your drug or drink of choice, and if it was deemed that they actually froze to death, to death first, then perhaps this guy gets off the hook. And maybe that's why the Kansas City Police Department, at least at this point, said no foul play was observed or suspected. Now, the suspected part is also weird, like the the cops don't suspect that maybe this guy is a person of interest or a guy that they're going to be monitoring or setting on. There have been no arrests. No one's in custody. There are no specific threats or concern for the surrounding community at this time. The next step in the investigation is to receive the findings, preliminary or final, from the medical examiner. That was a statement. Local medical examiner conducted autopsies on the bodies, and the results are pending. Jack, you want to put any finishing touches on this bad boy? This is weird. Well, I think it's astutely uh, pointed out by the texters here that you know drugs could have been used in, in a situation like this. I mean, it was cold on that day, but you would have had to be out there a long time to freeze to death, as you pointed out as well. And, you know, I'm wondering... You know, if we don't have the toxicology report yet, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out with something like that. But that feels like the most likely scenario of this. Um, it's also weird that the homeowner opens the door to the police in his underwear and an empty wine glass. It's like, how how are you doing that when opening the door like that? That in its own feels very weird. Like, is he <laughs> is he a drunk? Is he you know, is he drunk in that moment? Who really knows? it? There's so many different factors of it. And the one that keeps coming back to me is that I feel like drugs, whether they knew they were taking the drugs or it was slipped into their drink, yeah. that could factor in. I don't want to speculate until I have yeah. all the news yeah. or all the facts for it first. But I would say, you know, do we know if these three guys use drugs regularly and hard drugs? And Because that is something where if you had a bad reaction, it would knock you out. And then you're laying there in the, the freezing cold. And you can't get inside. Like I, it has to be that, or they had to have passed out. Because let's be honest, if they were, you know, let's say they're like, oh, let's go outside and hang out for you know an hour or so. Why? Damn sure, better been a fire pit out there. Yes. So why else would you go outside? It's like I, what? It, or if you're standing out there and you were going out there to smoke or to smoke, have a yeah, yeah have mm -hmm. a, a conversation. Even if the the homeowner went to bed and he locked the door. My question is, how did they get to the house? I'm assuming with the car. Like, did they leave their keys inside? That's what we were trying to figure out. Like, did they Uber there? And, and, and if even so, then, then if if they did free, or if they're like, oh, we're locked out, we can't get in there. I mean, if it wasn't a situation where they passed out, they'd be like, okay, um, I need to call an Uber. Maybe I need to go next door and say, can I use 
your phone. I'm my left my my buddy locked us out of the house and I can't get inside to my keys or my phone. Like there were ways to go right. It's not like they were in the middle of nowhere. So there there's just a lot of question marks I have for a situation like this and very sad number one. I mean, three lives were lost in this situation and then the guy who had him over to his house like just seemed completely, you know, aloof to all of it. Like it, yep. it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. Um, the texts are coming in fast and furious, more than I, uh, quicker than I can read them. Some of them are fit for air. Some of them aren't. One said it's going to take a long time to freeze to death, and it's all, if it's only 32, and where the hell were their phones? Uh, my question, this is not a text or mine, uh, just kind of a follow-up before Jack can uh, tell us his story of the week. Um, is it possible? I suppose it's possible, depending on the, the designer drug that you may or may not have gotten slipped. You kind of pass out and never wake up. Like the combination of alcohol, if that's what you're doing, or drugs, if that's what you're doing, and the wrong one was included in there. You just slowly fade away and you don't wake up. But how'd they get outside? How'd they get outside and freeze to death? Uh, I'm glad you, I knew you'd be aware of the story and I'm glad's probably not the right word because it's tragic because three people are dead and the Kansas City Police Department don't quite seem, or at least they're not letting on. Maybe they have a good idea what's going on or how it happened, but talk about unsolved mysteries. This one is, um, this one's made for that TV show. And really this segment, uh, this particular story is made for our Far Hall Roofing Story of the Week. It's, it's tough to, uh, wedge into, a a sports talk show for, uh, you know, for two hours, but it was made for today. And uh, I was fascinated when I saw it, and it hasn't cleared up when I first saw it. It's actually gotten more murky. Jack, got one? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to have to go to that K-State-Iowa State game, and mm-hmm. apparently spies were involved uh, per Jerome Tang and his coaching staff. Um, I was watching this game. I watched the majority of this game. I uh, just kind of had it on in the background, and, when it got close, I definitely got more engaged. Yeah. And so I was watching it live when uh, Jerome Tang had this very animated reaction uh, on the sideline where I'm thinking, man, what, what's going on here? I didn't have the, the volume all the way up, so I had to go and turn it up. So I missed like the first 10, 15 seconds of what they were talking about. But I'm seeing him, you know, basically, uh, for lack of a better term here, come unglued on uh-huh. the sideline. I mean, you know, yeah. completely stepping outside the boundary of the coaching box. And he's kind of pointing over at Olzelberger, and Olzelberger's yelling back and saying he needs to get in his coaching box. And the officials are doing a poor job, in my opinion, of kind of mediating it. So I'm going, what's what's going on here? Is he mad about, you know, a call? Is he mad at the officials? Uh, why would he be pointing at Olzelberger? Is he mad that they're, the players are dirty? And then, you know, later on, after this game is concluded, after all of the bad officiating and K-State's turnovers and them losing this game, they meet at midcourt, and there's supposed to be a handshake, and Tang's very animated once again, you know, kind of pointing behind him, saying, you need to look there, and then both of them mm-hmm. kind of, you know, mimic this, uh, I guess, hand gesture of a cell phone. Like, T.J. Oh, Oldsberger's wow. kind of pointing, too, and he's like, where where did you see him? It, to me, I think the best way to describe it for painting this picture poorly. It's like a frantic person giving a cop a statement. That's what I kind uh-huh. of looked at. Like, T.J. Right, Oldsberg right. is, like, very you know, relaxed in this sense. He kind of looks a little bit confused and pointing, and Tang's, like, moving his arms all around, and his assistants are right behind him, and they're kind of chirping right right there. And then I'm going, okay, well, hopefully we'll get the answer in the post game, right? And we get to the post game. Um, of course, Jerome Tang is immediately asked about it, and he's like, um, nothing. Uh, I'm going to keep mm. that between me and TJ. I've got great respect for TJ. And then they're asked a few more times, as yeah. good reporters do, nothing. Radio science. It's like, nope, I'm going to keep that between me and TJ. Which I do respect because at that point, it's all he said, she said, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you have to be 125,000% confident if you're going to accuse somebody of cheating, you better have definitive proof. Because just saying that after a loss looks horrible on yes, your program yes horrible, and he knows horrible. that yes yeah. and so uh, you know it, we move on from it then there's reports last night one that i saw from kellis robinette he did a story on it that k-state was upset because they believed there were spies or iowa state personnel managers um, behind kansas state's bench that were filming huddles and trying to relay it over to iowa state's bench so my first thought goes to, all right, how were they 
uh, differentiated between a fan mm-hmm. and personnel, right? Yep. Because yep. if I was to do something like that, if I was a coach, I'm like, you know what? We're going to steal plays and signs from the bench. Someone's going to sit behind there. I mean, I've sat behind the bench before as a fan at certain events, and I would take a picture of the bench if I'm that close. I'm like, hey, look how cool my seats are here. So it feels pretty easy. And to, maybe can even hear what they're saying. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. here's here's a video of, of what they're doing here. But from where I would sit, it's very hard based off the huddle to see what they're drawing up, right? And I think yeah. that most coaches, you know, they'll get low, they'll put the, the whiteboard low or yeah. whatever they're drawing yeah. on. Like and everybody's standing up around him. <laughs> you would have to have a GoPro camera to stick yeah. that camera over and, and get the – the the whiteboard or whatever they're talking about here. So clearly one of the assistants alerts Jerome Tang of, hey, there's some fishy activity going on behind us. And then I think Jerome Tang sees it himself. And that's what led him to become unglued that, hey, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are behind us. They're, they're taking video. They're, they are, are cheating. They are openly cheating and relaying that to Iowa State's bench. So then my mind starts going of, okay, so how would this have gone about? You have a couple of managers placed behind the bench. They are recording or just listening in and then relaying that to Iowa State's bench and probably not to Oldsberger, to an assistant at the far end of the bench where he's got his phone and then he is relaying that to Oldsberger and then Oldsberger is telling the players. Jeez. Now, here is where I think the story can get hung up a little bit. Um, it is possible, too, that there were suspicious guys behind the bench and they weren't doing that. Like it's hard to get the absolute proof unless you grabbed him by the collar, pulled him out in the court, put a spotlight on him, was like, "Are you cheating? Let me see your phone." <laughs> like that would be the way to get definitive proof, right? Yeah, so there yeah. was also a chance that K State felt alarmed by it, and they're like, "Hey, this is going on. We don't stand for that." Uh, but I also think of the likelihood, right? I think it's one thing to—I don't think there's any problem thinking you have a spy behind there. And I think Jerome Tang and his staff did a great job of not going out there and being the boy who cried wolf after losing, right? Mm-hmm. Saying like mm-hmm. if they would have won and said, "Yeah, this was happening," and you know it didn't affect the outcome of the game, but this was happening, I think it's a different story. But they lost, sure. and he knew that it's a really bad look to go. Well, we lost because they were cheating; they were stealing our plays. And so the basketball fan in me goes, "I've seen, you know, that you know ESPN has those shots right in the huddle and NBA too. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like the huddle's this sacred place. There's times that they capture footage and they." broadcast it on live TV. So I'm thinking to myself, what what can you run in the timeout other than an inbounds play or a game-winning play that is captured in the moment, relayed, right, to the other team, yeah. then that team goes to the head coach and says, watch out for this play. Um, and you got two minutes and 30 seconds to two, do yeah, that. Yeah, so it feels like, are you just going to sit there quietly in your huddle until that information comes in? So I think basketball, unlike baseball and football, is much harder to get that information. Not saying it's impossible, it's just more difficult, right? And this happened with 7.51 to go in the second half. Maybe K-State was inbounding the ball or something like that, or maybe they were catching on because every inbounds play they had was being just completely blanketed by Iowa State. That's a possibility as well. They just haven't opened up a ton to it. All you got time for is to say, all right, they're going to go 1-4 flat. Remember how we practice against this during shoot-around. Boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, like, if, you re- if, the, if it's really that high-level espionage, that's all you got time for to relay. And how you relay that, I'm not sure. But and, 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 you know, that's another part of this is, you know, K-State's run a lot of the same stuff as every college basketball team does. Like KU, for KU fans, they've run the same damn inbounds play for 15 years. Like it's, yeah. And they still get points off of it, right? But that's on film. You can look at that on film. And I right. think that, yeah. you know, for for this situation, it's like I don't think – K-State, unless they had five to ten new plays drawn up for this specific matchup, like a lot of the stuff they were running, Iowa State had on film. Like, And so is there really a need then to have spies behind the bench? So, you know, it's a weird situation, but clearly, I mean, the thing with Jerome Tang and his staff, uh, they're not a boy who cried wolf. There's been very few times that they have just all of a sudden gone off the wall and been like, oh, there's cheaters, there's spies behind us. Like, there's no cons- – they're not a conspiracy calling type of coaching staff to me. Yeah. Um, and I thought he handled it a very respectful way. And here's where I stand on it because it is a big deal. Because now it's out there in the public that Iowa State and TJ Oldsberger's reputation can be completely tarnished from this. If it's true, good riddance, right? Step down from college basketball. You're not going to coach at the Division One level. You're cheating. Not shouldn't be allowed here, right? If you're caught you know, stealing signs. 
uh, in the middle of a game, right? You should at least maybe you can coach again in D one, but you got to step down from your program if you're caught yeah, in the oh act yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. um, but on the flip side of it, if this is proven to be not true, God, that is a terrible look uh, to say that somebody is cheating and stealing your plays and then it not be true. So Iowa mm-hmm. State, though, here's the thing. K-State said their piece, or at least the the beat reporters who have had sources, it has been relayed that they believe there were Iowa State personnel spies behind the bench that were relaying information to Iowa State's bench. So they have kind of given their side of the story. I haven't heard anything from Iowa State yet. Maybe they're investigating it on their own. But they need to hurry up here pretty soon. And I know they got to prep for Kansas on Saturday. But the longer you let this stay quiet, the more people are going to believe that, yeah, you did have sign stealers behind the bench, and that's not acceptable at the college basketball level. So going to be very interesting to find out because this is the first time we've seen Jerome Tang and his staff act like that. That's the most angry and animated I think I've seen him, and there has to be something read into that. And Iowa State silence certainly makes me think something. But at the end of the day, too, Shane, it's going to be really hard to prove unless yes. a full-on investigation is launched. And then at that point, it's it's a bad look all the way around. You've got Iowa State fans saying that didn't happen. There's no way that happened. You're having K-State fans going that did happen. Man. They are cheating. And so it's just a whole it's a whole ball of mess here. So we'll see how it plays out here. I just think, you know, unlike the Connor Stallion situation where it was just this mega investigation, this feels a little bit more difficult to prove because – Fans behind the bench, yeah, they're going to have their phone and taking video of the huddle. Now, if it's every single time, that's the tip-off there. If I'm going back and seeing all 40 minutes of this game and you've got the same guys standing up and recording it, number one, awful job at hiding it, right, mm-hmm. and how much you're actually capturing. But, you know, number two, it just it could go the complete flip side here, and it's that these were fans or these were managers that were just taking a video of a cool moment. We'll see how it all plays out here. But right now, just a big ball of mess is the best way to define it. All kinds of junior sleuths right now at ESPN uh, Plus trying to rewatch that game and see if they can find the shooter on the dras- uh, grassy knoll. Two blockbusters for our Far Hall Roofing story that we call Far Hall Roofing. We'll go to farhallroofing.com. We rise above the rest. Twitter. Can we top that? Doubt it, but we'll try to next. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Have you heard the buzz around affordable diamonds? Unlike their natural counterparts, lab-grown diamonds are created in a laboratory, making them more affordable and abundant. Hi, Nathan from Brunel's Fine Jewelry and Design. Did you know natural and lab-grown diamonds have the same hardness level, durability, and chemical properties? Natural diamonds were created deep in the earth billions of years ago, whereas lab-grown diamonds were created recently. So which diamond is best for you? The experts at Brunel's are here to help you navigate these choices. Come see us on the northeast corner of Rock and Central or online at Brunel's.com. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an edition on that edition. That's the feeling with Capital One where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is Banking Reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. Attention. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-760-8196. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. 
Call 800-760-8196 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-760-8196. What do you have to lose? Call 800-760-8196. Again, 800-760-8196. The kick is oh, good! Wide right! It's Championship Week. Jubilation for the Chiefs' sideline! No one brings you more coverage, including news conferences, interviews, and the latest news on your Kansas City Chiefs than ESPN Wichita. This is amazing. And on Sunday, Chiefs pregame begins at 8 a.m. Six hours of pregame coverage leading up to the Chiefs and Ravens in the sixth consecutive AFC Championship game. It's all on your home for the NFL, 92.3 FM. Hey, I'm Jackie, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit is the chicken. It is golden brown, so juicy, so delicious. It's the perfect savory start to my day. Hey, I'm Matt, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit is the freshly baked, flaky, buttery biscuit. When I take a bite, it's kind of like, you know, crispy, soft, crispy. Crispy outside, soft interior, crispy chicken. There's really nothing like it. Start your day with the Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit, available on the Chick-fil-A app. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials. Happy birthday, Tom Kiefer. He's 62. Lead singer of Cinderella. This is the last mile. Happy birthday to one of the greatest screechers of all time, Tom Kiefer. All right, it's 12.55. Time for our Twitter segment, or X. And on Fridays, they're brought to you by Wichita Furniture and Mattress. Ring in the new year with more choices and bigger savings. Get up to 50% off in-stock furniture during their New Year Savings Bash. Plus, get no interest financing and free Delivery only at Wichita Furniture and Mattress, Wichita's largest in-stock selection of name brand furniture. I heard this um, topic kicked around, I believe, yesterday by some talking heads. And so that prompted me to make this the topic of the Twitter question at ESPN Wichita. And the conversation was the AFC championship is basically the Super Bowl. Whoever wins the Ravens-Chiefs game is going to win the Super Bowl. That was the rhetoric. That's That was the topic. That was the talking point. So I'll ask simply, is it? Will the AFC Championship, in essence, be the Super Bowl? Yes. No, it's the 49ers. No, it's the Lions. And Jack, putting the cart before the horse a little bit, uh, because we'll pick the Super Bowl when the time comes. Is the AFC Championship the Super Bowl? In my opinion, it is. I think both of these teams are more well-rounded, better and better quarterback play than anybody on the NFC side. So you're taking winner of this game, even against the, well, I assume that we can both agree the 49ers is a stronger team than the Lions, whether they win or lose. But jumping ahead two weeks, you'll take the winner of this game at 2 o'clock Against whoever. I, I would. Hmm. Uh, I think that this it, power rankings probably go Baltimore, Kansas City, San Fran, Detroit. All right. So let's extrapolate that out a little further. Let's say the Chiefs win. It's Chiefs 49ers uh, in a rematch, which would be fun. What's the line? Um, I'd imagine it'd still be in the Niners' favor. I do, I'd, too. I'd say probably like minus two, minus two and a half would be my guess. Okay. okay. What about Chiefs-Lions rematch from week one? I bet that would be in favor of Kansas City minus two. Okay. Okay. Uh, So far, to the question, will the AFC Championship, in essence, be the Super Bowl? Yes, 47.6%. So nearly half of the respondents agree with Jack. 28.6% said no, it's the 49ers. And 23.8% said no, it's the Lions. Interesting uh, breakdown of the vote. Still plenty of time to vote and repost. Please do so. Uh, and share with your tweets so they can do it too. At ESPN Wichita, will the AFC Championship in essence be the Super Bowl? Yes. No, it's the 49ers. No, it's the Lions. 
That's the option for you today. We got a Twitter question every single day that we have a show. And today's is brought to you by Wichita Furniture and Mattress. All right, hour number one is down. We got one more to go. We'll talk a little bit more at length about the AFC and NFC title games coming your way Sunday afternoon. That's coming your way next, our road to the Super Bowl. And we'll shift gears just a little bit, talk some Royals. Coming up at 125, uh, I want to bring up the possibility and feasibility of the Chiefs, or the Chiefs, the Royals signing or trading for a closer. And Jack can bring up a topic of his choice when it comes to the Royals. Um, some non-closer talk. So we'll give him the floor coming up at 125. And then we'll wrap up the show. I'm old Jack, uh, Jack Young, like we always do. And Friday's IOJY, always brought to you by Rock and Brews Casino Brayman. We'll talk to Pat, get you ready for the pulse from 2 to 4 here on a Friday. All right, one down, one to go. AFC, NFC title talk coming your way next. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.